0: Hello, and welcome to Web3 Delight Podcast. My name is Tesha Teshanovic, and I will be your host today. Web3 is not about technology. This is a social movement towards transparency, consensus, inclusiveness, ownership, and openness. To that end, we'll explore different elements of Web3 with our guests and learn from their journeys. How will the Web3 disrupt the current business models in Web2?
1: Yeah, that's a very great and a very uh, direct question. So yeah, I mean, uh, Web3 definitely has a great value to disrupt the Web2 system, the existing systems. So the fundamental difference, what I see is the ownership. So here, uh, in forms of token, in form of NFTs or any form, the end user has the ownership of the asset, of the data, of whatever information uh, they have. In comparison to the Web2 model, where it is owned by some or the other centralized authority uh, in, in, any, in any of the domains, may be it banking, be it asset management, um, from your data, your health record, everything. So in the traditional system, everything is owned by a centralized authority, whereas in the Web3 system, everything is owned by the end user which which can which has a potential to create a huge difference. So in my understanding, uh, financial systems, definitely. So we have seen the growth of uh, DeFi, the decentralized finance that has erupted in the last couple of years. We have seen um, trillions of dollars of uh, TVL locked uh, in smart contracts, which is completely secure, not owned by any centralized authority. And which I would say, in my opinion, is just the tip of the iceberg. And once the institutions start adopting, they embrace the decentralized systems, this is going to be huge. The financial systems first, then I think uh, personal records, health records uh, are definitely, these sectors are definitely going to be disrupted by Web3.
0: And it's interesting that... uh... Uh, Web3 will be quite compatible with the future of the cloud computing and the fact that in the future, people won't own their personal computers, but that the most of the data processing will be done in remote servers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, decentralized storage is one of the examples. I mean, now we don't need, I mean, in, in like the traditional cloud systems, uh, there was the, the data and the... Uh, applications were hosted on a single centralized server. Now with such great innovation, we've seen that uh, the data is hosted on hundreds and thousands of computers across the globe and the storage is all decentralized. So yeah, I I would not say that cloud computing would all be gone. And in fact, uh, when we speak about Web 2 and Web 3, uh, people have come up with a term called Web 2.5. I mean, I'm not sure about the term, but yes, definitely Web 2 is going to stay here and Web 3 would complement them. So it uh, would be like
0: different type of
1: Web 2. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Adding a decentralized flavor to the Web 2 uh, becomes Web 2.5. And Web 2 definitely see uh, in in this uh, scenario, I mean, this is the innovation is so fast and people are disrupting and innovating on daily basis it's not on monthly basis you get to hear news daily that uh, this sector and that sector is being disrupted in some way or the other but uh, the infrastructure the market the adoption is not that mature which was in terms of web2 and uh, one of the key factors I see is the user experience uh, by user experience I mean the ease of use uh, for the end user. It, it's a bit frictional at the moment and uh, which which uh, which keeps the need of Web2 alive. And uh, the amalgamation, the complementing uh, part is so true that uh, there are uh, some factors of Web2 that we'll be using uh, in conjunction with Web3. And there's another point added to it. I mean, there are a few use cases, few systems, few projects, which I see need not be done in Web3. In every use case, you need not add uh, tokens, NFTs, uh, decentralization. They are running successfully and without any pain in the Web2 already. So I think we're fine there. Where there is any need, uh, where Web3 is solving any problem, that's the point where we need to adopt Web3. If we take
0: a look at the current user-friendliness of the interfaces in Web3 project, they kind of remind of the beginning of the Web1 where websites were all but non-user-friendly, you know.
1: Correct, correct, correct. In fact, um, interestingly, we are speaking today and yesterday there was a a good big news for the Web3 community that uh, Metamask has uh, implemented banking system with the help of Sardine. And uh, what I see, see, uh, if you, uh, as a user, first-time user, you go and download any Web3 wallet, maybe MetaMask, MyEther wallet, any Web3 wallet, you can do it. You can easily uh, get a browser extension. You can set up the wallet, uh, keep your seed phrase safe. and but, but you're zero balance. You don't have any balance. So you have a few options like going to a centralized exchange, create your own new account do your kyc etc that's a cumbersome process then buy some tokens using your fiat currency then transfer it back to your web3 wallet then use those tokens to transact and pay any gas fee so that that's that's the kind of experience which is not i would say very uh, seamless so so these are yeah of course you uh, made a great analogy there that uh, we, we can compare this Web, two, web 1 to Web 2 uh, and the similar way we are comparing the transition from Web 2 to Web 3 in terms of user experience, right?
0: Yeah, and what people need is the seamless user experience when they can smoothly shift from one platform to another. And we don't really have that at this point in Web 3. Uh, but the thing that you mentioned about MetaMask is very important because uh, one of the reasons why MetaMask was so successful is, is that it's successfully integrated into the other software, you know. It has Absolutely. an add-on for Absolutely. Firefox, for Google, Chrome. Is that the way forward for uh,
1: other blockchain projects? Yes, yes, definitely. See, uh, th- that's all about user experience. And uh, what I see, and see, I have seen uh, some shades of uh, transition in Web2 as well, so, uh, and still, the, there's a lot of space for innovation, both in Web 2 and Web 3, and, and people are working on it. And uh, the user experience is what uh, people have realized that uh, it's of great importance in the entire digital world. And now uh, we are spoiled with uh, numerous uh, seamless uh, Web 2 experiences, and it, it's, I mean, it's so easy uh, booking a taxi is so easy booking a hotel flight everything is on your tips on in, in that device which you have in pocket and so we are habituated now we have cultivated that habit of a great user experience so if we don't get that uh, the adoption uh, is is somewhat tricky so adoption is is a problem i would not say but yeah adoption is one a bottleneck uh, that Web3 is facing at the moment.
0: Yes, and other bottlenecks are related to the idea of the adoption of blockchain. What are the limitations of blockchain? Do we really need blockchain to solve every problem or maybe blockchain is more suitable for some, some solutions such as like supply
1: chain and logistics? See, I won't get into a typical use cases. There there have been a lot of talks and a lot of working around what is suited for blockchain, what is not. But yes, I'm very sure. Uh, in fact, uh, when I meet and see, being in this space for so long, people just for the sake of uh, getting into blockchain, I'm, I'm talking about some... Uh, Good business owners, they want their systems and their companies to be on blockchain, but they don't actually know the use case. So there there is a method to identify whether the use case is uh, suited for blockchain or not. If it's not suited, one should not waste waste their energy and resources to get onto the blockchain bandwagon. That I'm very sure. But yes, if you have a suited use case, then this Technology has a potential to bring a sea change Uh, in terms of efficiency, in terms of trust, transparency, ownership. A lot of these virtues.
0: And the ownership, that's a
1: crucial aspect. That is the aspect that
0: differentiates the Web3 from the Web2. How transparent will be the ownership in future? We know now that uh, some people are getting disturbed by the fact that Google is showing The amount of ETH in a wallet when you Google a wallet address?
1: See, uh, I'll I'll take a different perspective. Uh, In terms of ownership, what I believe is um, when we talk about tokenization, so there are a few factors which we need to consider. Like a lot of, I'll just take one example. There are a lot of people and a lot of companies who wish to tokenize real estate. So we meet them, we talk about on this topic very regularly. But what I see is that uh, compliance and regulation is very important. And if they are not, if the the regulator of that particular domain, say for real estate, is not uh, part of the blockchain, uh, if it's not participating, then it doesn't make any sense to tokenize that asset then the ownership is just for the sake of ownership. You you just have that token or you just have that NFT. But the regu- if the regulator is not validating it, 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 there's no value added to it. So there are the only use cases where the provenance of that asset and the uh, ownership of that asset is all on blockchain. Then only it makes complete sense. Otherwise, I don't see any great value there
0: yeah the question that you mentioned is very interesting you know the idea of introducing non fungible tokens to real estate and to other sectors as part of the fractional ownership initiatives
1: correct correct and and, and since there are uh, again i mean if we leave these uh, regulations apart there are a lot of uh, other use cases where the uh, provenance can be uh, added to the blockchain in terms of say uh, I'll take an example of uh, event tickets or any kind of tickets but event tickets is uh, like uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll take the example of airline ticket airline tickets so uh, if the airline gets on top of it and if the airline the issuance of that ticket uh, is done on blockchain then definitely the provenance is there on blockchain and any uh, if if the if that asset slash NFT changes hands, then that means it is validated by the airline. So this use case works. We don't need any third party to validate. So in this form, for any use case, if the provenance is there, I think it's a seamless and a very transparent experience.
0: Yes, and uh, that that's actually one of the areas with the biggest potential for return of investment in blockchain investing, and that is the tokenization of the physical assets.
1: Right, right. But somebody, uh, some party, some third party has to uh, authorize that tokenization. If not a third party, then at least the owner. So real world asset is something that we are also uh, very keen and we are working very hard on it. We are researching a lot. But yes, there's still quite a lot of bottlenecks, which has uh, made this process not so seamless. Uh, But yeah, I mean, in the near future, I would say in a very uh, near future, within a year or so, there'll be a lot of real world asset use cases you will see on blockchain. Now, there are specific blockchains coming up, layer one blockchains, which are catering to the needs of a specific domain for tokenization. And these kind of disruptions would definitely add great value for the adoption of uh, all these use cases in Web3.
0: What are the obstacles that we are facing today in terms of uh, uh, creating a system for the uh, tokenization of the physical assets?
1: See, obstacles as ownership is one, uh, like physical ownership. So, uh, I mean, I I need to uh, have a trustworthy Middleman in between who would ensure that the ownership reconciles with the person who holds the NFT of that physical asset. That's one of the biggest problem. I mean, uh, maybe there's a, I'll take a simple example. There's antique furniture and uh, I tokenize it and it's an expensive one. Maybe uh, I would say $150,000 and uh, I'm the owner of it. And I tokenize it on blockchain. Uh, There's a user who comes and he invests into it, the that asset into 100 NFTs, sells it to 100 people. Now, uh, I need to be uh, sure enough, all those 100 NFT holders needs to be sure enough that that physical property is not being sold to somebody else without getting our approval. So in that case, we need to have some third party, some custodial in between who will ensure that, yes, we have the custody. That, that's one of the biggest challenge. So there are the, some big auction houses, as you know, I don't want to name them. They're working uh, very heavily on this and they've, they've found some success as well. But it's still not gone mainstream. But yes, it won't take much time when we'll see this happening quite often.